Welcome back. High operational costs are eating into famous brands' bottom line. During the interim period, the restaurant group reported a 7.4% decline in headline earnings per share. Despite the decline on that end, famous brands has decided to hike its dividend by 6%, bringing its half-year payout to 138 cents. Joining me now is the company CEO, Darren Heller. Thank you so much for your time, Darren. Let's actually start off with that top-line growth. Uh, you did have uh, double-digit growth uh, on your revenue. Just contextualize that revenue growth for us. Yeah, good evening and thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, yeah, the top-line growth, uh, you know, we're very pleased with and the operating profit has been compromised by revenue that came in uh, or that was offset on the cost base last year from the GBK liquidation dividend. So the picture on the bottom line is not looking as healthy as it actually should be uh, versus the reality of, of what has come through. So I mean, if you reversed out of that, I mean, you'd have HEPs up 7% uh, versus the decline. So, you know, the, the revenue growth is translating into better profits, but certainly, you know, in the SA context, cost pressures are, are not abating. Yeah, actually, because I was about to ask what the uh, sole uh, or biggest um, uh, uh, eater of your hips was, whether it was that uh, dividend uh, for uh, GBK in the previous uh, comparable period, or was it your cost base? How is your cost base looking like at the moment? Look, like everybody in SA, we're, we're, we're under cost pressure, but it, it is being... Uh, you know, offset with revenue growth, so that the, you're able to recover some pricing. I mean, the biggest new cost is obviously diesel, uh, which is coming through uh, around the, the additional impact of, of, of load shedding. Uh, so generally, that's the that's the biggest cost pressure. Uh, I mean, obviously, with this, we've been particularly hard hit by insurance as a as a single change as well, which does relate to the, you know the SA economy and the way the insurers, uh, particularly the insurers out of London, are actually viewing the. The market so we've got some cost pressures but from a general operational perspective uh, we think we're managing those costs particularly well ah. in your results commentary uh, there's a line that goes uh, while raising raising menu prices to recover costs is essential higher prices risk alienating customers how are you navigating this pass on to customers in a sticky inflationary global environment that's been made worse by local factors including load shedding and also the intense competition yeah, look, it's, I mean, there's some complexity to it. I mean, our brand team spent a lot of time together with our franchise partners looking at the pricing, working out, you know, how we can bring in additional offers that are, you know, priced better. In other words, you know, you can't go and, you know, tinker with a King Steer burger and change the recipe or the specifications. We're certainly not going to be doing anything like that. But can you bring in additional ranges? Uh, you know, can you look at other products to supplement that to provide uh, a different pricing access point for, for people in the marketplace. So there's a lot of work that goes into that, but by and large, menu pricing has has gone up. And I, I think, you know, we're not the only people doing it. So, you know, food inflation has been high in SA. So the consumer, you know, understands that, but we're all trying to offer value in a different way. And then of course, you know, where you have the opportunity to promote and uh, bring down pricing temporarily, you also take that, that opportunity. But we do think through the menu, we also have the ability to bring in seasonal items, so particularly winter, summer menus uh, on the casual dining side, and that gives us the ability to bring in products that you can then take off in the summer months or bring back summer products. So, uh, and you can bring those in at different price points as well to potentially your core products. Hmm. Uh, Darren, are there any significant shifts in consumer behavior that have translated to a different appetite levels for your different restaurant groupings? 
Look, yeah, there's quite a lot of change going in consumer behavior driven by various factors. You know, load shedding being one because people will work their schedules around that. Uh, and, 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 and the cold winter, particularly in Joburg versus prior winters and, and the wet winter in Cape Town, have changed some, some habits. Uh, but generally, people, as a, as a rule of thumb, are just eating more in the daytime. So the, the breakfast, lunchtime, late lunch occasion uh, has grown at the expense of certainly late dinner occasions as a, as a general trend. And people tend to be getting out more uh, as, as the economy has opened up post-COVID. Things are getting back to normal. Tourism's getting better. So people getting out more to casual dining restaurants and not necessarily getting in-home delivery or takeout to the same degree as they were. Although load shedding does make a little bit of a difference to that because people are mitigating around the convenience factor uh, when, it, when it comes to that. So some, some basic trends, but generally you know, we think people are, you know, like to get out and about, which is, which is good for our business. Uh, all right. And just um, before I go into uh, your uh, footprint dynamics, I quickly want to check in on, because, I mean, you talk about all these uh, elevated costs, particularly load shedding. How has your support to your franchisees looked like? Yes, yeah, so this, this financial year, these past six months, we've brought in a, a unique mechanism to try and assist and, and share the, the responsibility with our franchisees, which we we believe we've done fair and equitably, and we effectively are managing the amount of sales that they do during load shedding and providing some relief on the, the royalty we charge for those sales during that particular period. So a, a sale generating load shedding would attract a lower royalty uh, than a normal uh, sale period. And roughly in the period, if you combine signature and leading brands, it's around 18% of sales was actually um, conducted in load shedding for the six-month period. Now, that's obviously sparked from one month to the other, depending on the levels, but certainly quite a significant amount. And, and during that period of that 18%, we've provided relief on, yeah. on that. Obviously, where restaurants are not trading, which is which has been uh, a, a subdued part of our business this particular period, there are no sales generated, obviously. Ah, all right. Well, let's get into your footprint. Of course, you've announced that uh, you are uh, cautiously entering uh, three regions, and uh, that's through Debonairs and Steers. So you'll be going into these three markets, Cote d'Ivoire, Egypt, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. What are you seeing there? And talk to me about that, the cautious moving into those markets. Look, we, we've been, you know, working on the African continent for a long time. So, you know, we see these opportunities. We are very slow and steady in what we do. And of course, there are always setbacks. But, you know, with our ability to look at either licensing or franchising or company store models, you know, we, we think there's certain markets that are attractive. Uh, DRC, uh, we have a strong footprint in, in Zambia. So there's a natural growth up there into southern DRC. Uh, Egypt is, is a very uh, strong market and, and highly competitive but we think our brands will resonate there and we have a license opportunity. And Cote d'Ivoire is, 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 is a market where we have been previously and we've reignited a relationship with a former franchisee there. Uh, and we exited that market after many years of civil unrest uh, and are looking to, to, to go back in. So, I mean, fundamentally, we, we believe brands, particularly Debonair's Pizza and Steers, resonate in those markets. People like the product, they like the taste, and we have the ability to take that to market uh, with a franchising model or a license model. Ah, all right. I mean, uh, you've also said that there's growth potential that you're seeing in the retail division. Uh, what's informing that bullishness? Uh, where will that growth be coming from? 
Look, some of it is just us getting more organized and taking our brands to market. So in other words, the, the restaurant brands that we own is packaging some of the products that the consumers love in a format that they can use at home, as has been done in Steers Barbecue Sauce and Wimpy Tomato Sauce for many, many years. So really just building on that concept. And we have the vertically integrated supply chain to be able to do that, as well as, you know, we call on the retailers uh, across the country. So really just building on that strategy and taking products that consumers, you know, we hope will love in, into their homes. I mean, we don't always get it right, but we're seeing nice growth and some nice products that, that are gaining traction. We've got, you know, a whole bunch of products that we hope to launch in H2, which again, we, we think will, will get traction with consumers. You know, that space is very competitive, but you, but it does allow for quite a lot of innovation uh, and the consumer likes to try different different products. Ah, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Darren. Really appreciate it. Uh, just unpacking those numbers that we did get out of Famous Brands earlier on today. That was the CEO of Famous Brands, Darren Hiller.